Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. My name is Connor, and you are listening to another episode of Film Talks. Once again, we got a shiny, sunny day. I got a new haircut. I'm getting ready for the day, and I was like, let's just pump out another episode for you guys. So, three things we're going to be talking about. First thing, we're going to be talking about uh, the disrespect to main characters in movies, and how, you know, whenever you have like an ensemble, uh, think Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, um, people always try to say, oh, well, this character was actually the hero of the story, not the main guy. No, no, Frodo isn't the hero, it's Sam. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then uh, I'm going to talk to you about the top two movies of 2021 and the bottom two movies of 2021 of the ones that I've seen. We, we're, we're a little past the halfway point for the year, and so we might as well, you know, figure out, you know, which ones are bad, which ones are good. And then for what I'm watching, we're going to be talking about the movie Labyrinth. So with that, let's get into it. All right. So what do I call this segment? I don't know, but I've been noticing this thing on Facebook where people will talk about, you know, when, when they bring up Harry Potter or they bring up Lord of the Rings, those two specifically, who is the one who does most of the heavy lifting, right? So a lot of times Harry Potter, people say Hermione does all the heavy lifting. And and I will, I will say this, right? Yeah, both of these two are uh, books and movies. I'm going to be talking about just the movies because in some cases, especially Harry Potter, I can't speak to the books. So... Uh, In Harry Potter, they say Hermione is the one who does all the work. She knows all the spells. She's better at the spells. She's smarter. She has all the plans. What is Harry Potter? He's just the chosen one. (laughs) And then Lord of the Rings... Who is Frodo? Frodo's just the guy who he just carries a ring, and he's he's a little bit of a he's a little bit of a butt about it, right? He's always complaining. He, he's struggling. He even gives in to the power of the ring at the end of the movie. What does Sam do? Sam is always there. His he he's he's by Frodo's side all the time, except when he's not. But even when he's not, he comes back with a a fury, and he saves Frodo. All of these points have some semblance of merit, okay? I'm not going to just completely discredit it. However, I think there's some blaspheming going on right here, okay? Frodo is very important to the story, and I, I feel like we it shouldn't need to be said. I feel like it's super obvious what he did for the story. I think what's going on is... You know, people are just, I don't know, maybe they're trying to be different. They're trying to read into the story and be like, okay, so this is the obvious answer, but like, what's, what's the, what's the, um, high honor roll, you know, those, those super smart kids who are trying to overthink everything. That was funny story unrelated. That was my thing with the SAT that I thought was very funny was when I was in SAT prep in high school. I was with all these other kids who were in like higher levels of math than me. And it was kind of funny sometimes because they'd come to me and like, I'm not in any way smart with math, especially, but the the way I did math was so much simpler than them because they were doing like trigonometry and calculus and all this stuff. And I was over here like, okay, so uh, I just took algebra. So uh, this is this and blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like going at it from a t- trigonometry kind of mindset. And they'd be like, I don't understand this. There's there's too many variables. I'm like, oh, well, no, there's not. There, there, there's two numbers and you, know, you just do this and this. And they'd be like, whoa. So like, I, I think in this instance, there are some people that are trying to overthink it a little bit. Everyone in these stories 
has a purpose. And without without them, the story would fall apart. And and I think that's a show of, hey, these these stories were well-crafted. Because if you have a character who's meaningless, then that's on the author. That's on the director, the creator. Um, and, and, and they failed in some way in the story because, you know, everything's supposed to have meaning or else why is it there? Hermione is, is that smart one who's there to kind of help them out whenever they, you know, whenever they can't think of what to do. Ron, I think Ron is kind of a stable, like a stabling force for the, for the trio, right? He, like, nobody's saying like, hey, especially in the movies that he's like the guy who's super smart, um, but he he's the one who kind of helps build that team atmosphere. I don't think without with Harry and Hermione, I don't think there would be that level of relationship without Ron. So that's what I would say he brings to the trio in the movies. And then Harry is Harry. Like <laughs> to say that Hermione is more important than Harry, I really think you got to admit it's a little just like you're just overthinking it a little bit. Harry Potter is the chosen one. Harry Potter can fight Voldemort. Hermione could not fight Voldemort. Like, it wouldn't work. Like, you could say, oh, well, it's only because of circumstances, and if the circumstances were the same, then Hermione would be able to beat Voldemort. But, like, obviously. But, like, (laughs) this is the story. So, within the context of the story, Harry is the important one. Without Harry everybody would die (laughs) or become enslaved i don't really remember what voldemort's whole plan was does he ever like talk about that like maybe in the books or something like i know he wants to like kill the mudbloods or whatever and like enslave the non-magic folk is that the plan how is he gonna do it i'm just thinking about this now is voldemort supposed to be like hitler like he's supposed to be like the magical hitler any anyone who knows harry potter please answer that because that's that's a thought that just came to my head and i'm like that's kind of crazy actually so maybe like (laughs) <laughs> because nobody really knows what Hitler would have done because he, he he didn't win. So maybe it's the same case. Like nobody really knows how Voldemort would have done it because, you know, he wasn't successful. And the person he's based on wasn't successful either. But back to the point, Harry Potter is clearly the most important of the trio because he is the only one who's able to face the, the Dark Lord and uh, I think in terms of power level, right, you have to say that, like, yes, Hermione knows a lot of spells, and she's really well-versed in them, but the experiences that Harry has come across are way different from Hermione. Like, you, you get to the Order of the Phoenix, right, and Harry really steps up, and you're like, without her, Hermione takes a secondary role in that, and she, I don't think she usually does that she usually is the one who takes the first step but in order of the phoenix harry is the one who's in charge and he because he knows how to train people and what to train them for and all that harry's the guy i don't think this should be disputed i don't think it's not discrediting hermione or ron but like there is no story without harry and then looking at lord of the rings right so again another great author in J.R.R. tolkien but frodo is clearly the guy like you know aragorn is aragorn legolas gimli gandalf they have their own separate story the real crux of this tale is sam and frodo and their journey to take the ring from hobbiton and throw it into the fires of mount doom uh so so at least people are honing in on the fact that hey it's sam and frodo their journey is the most important but uh even in elementary school i'd have to kind of like debate this with people because there's a a thing that i guess 
on the surface level, Frodo looks kind of weak throughout the whole movie, right? Because all three movies, because he's just sort of he's just carrying a ring. And we as viewers, especially, you know, I was debating these people in freaking like third grade. So this is in like elementary school. You're looking at that as a kid and you're like, okay, well, he's just carrying a ring. It can't be that bad. Frodo is enduring. Frodo is going through this immense struggle that no one else wants, right? Like, think about this. He offered it to Gandalf. Gandalf said no. He offered it to Galadriel. Galadriel said no. So these two immensely powerful individuals refused to take on this quest, but Frodo did it. And he was successful. Like, like even if he gave in at the end, he was successful. The amount of time that he had that ring and he resisted it for that long is way more impressive than taking down an Oliphant with Legolas or defending Helm's Deep or fighting Shelob. Like, he is fighting the literal definition of temptation and winning and even even with Sam like when Sam is Sam has the ring in his possession for a couple a couple minutes or hours however you want to say it for a little bit of time he has the ring and even in that small amount of time he feels the pull of the ring and and kind of gives into it right cuz if you if you remember when he saves Frodo from the tower and like, you know, all these orcs that kind of are fighting over him and all that stuff. And Sam comes up and Frodo's like, where's the ring? And Sam's like, I have it right here. And he holds it out in front of him and he kind of gets entranced by it. And he stares at it before Frodo snatches it out of his hand. I think it's a really cool thing that they did where it, by showing the weight of the ring, right? So it's not just a, a metaphorical weight, but it's a literal weight. Like it's it's scarring his, Frodo's neck because it's just so heavy, and so it's not just a mental burden, but physical as well. Where he can't even, it's hard to walk. His thoughts are tr- constantly being bombarded. Sam is a great character, right? We all want to be Sam, but we want to be Sam because we can't be Frodo. And I think that's a thing that very few people think about, where it's just like, yes, yeah, Sam's a great friend. You want friends like Sam who are there, who are willing to fight for you. Even when you screw up, even at the end of the movie, when Frodo gives in, Sam's heartbroken because, you know, it, it, that's his friend. And even in giving into temptation, he's just like, he's still my friend and I, I'm just heartbroken. To be Frodo, you have to be able to take on that pain, that journey, that temptation, all of it, and and win. And yes, does Frodo give in at the end? Heck yeah, he does. I don't think there's any doubt if Gollum hadn't bitten off the finger, Frodo would have become Gollum. But that's not how it went, right? That's not the story. So Frodo is the guy. And few other, I don't think anyone else could have been Frodo. Therefore, he is the most important. So, that's all I have to say. Frodo, Harry Potter, let's stop talking trash about these two characters. They are the most important in their franchises. Not discrediting any of the other characters, but those are the two mains. So let's talk about the top two movies of 2021 and the bottom two movies of 2021 so far right we're not at the end of the year so maybe i'll do it at the end of the year but we've i I did a i tried making a list of the movies that i've seen and i've seen quite a bit like there i I thought with covid and all that stuff that not a lot of movies have come out but a good amount have have um, graced our screens 
So, um, like, we had Jungle Cruise, The Green Knight, Suicide Squad, Space Jam, Black Widow, Luca, Army of the Dead, Mortal Kombat, The Little Things, uh, The Conjuring 3, Godzilla vs. Kong, and Coming to America. I'm sure there's a lot more, but uh, those are the ones that I can remember and uh, the ones that I've seen. So we're going to talk about those. So let's start with um, one of my top two favorite movies of 2021. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say top two, one of my favorites is Jungle Cruise. I'm going to say number two, Jungle Cruise. It was a really fun it brought me back to those mummy days, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's one of the few where I was like, okay, Dwayne Johnson, you get a pass. This is kind of fun. Emily Blunt, I don't think there's very many movies I don't like with her in it. The new Mary Poppins movie, I wasn't a big fan, but um, Emily Blunt kills it in most of her movies, and in this movie as well. She's she's great. Um, Jungle Cruise, wonderful movie, family-friendly, um, fun plot. And brings back the adventure films that we have not been able to see in a while. I mean, I guess they've tried, but just haven't been very successful with. Uh, so Jungle Cruise, super fun. Top two, definitely. Bottom two, okay? So I feel like there's more bottoms than than, than top movies in, in, uh, in this year. But um, one of my bottoms, I'm going to say... <clears throat> oh... Looking at this list, there's there's a lot that I actually didn't like. Um, I'm going to say Luca is one of uh, my second least favorite movies of the year. Because, you know, looking at this list, there's a lot of ones that disappointed me more than this movie, right? But uh, Luca worries me because it's a Pixar movie. Okay, maybe, maybe <laughs> I'm saying worry like, you know, this is like, a, like I have someone who's a drug addict. And I'm like, this really worries me. No. But it's I'm getting I'm getting a little nervous when it comes to Pixar, right? We we haven't had a big Pixar movie that's really gotten to me lately. Inside Out was maybe the last Pixar movie that kind of resonated and I think was super impactful. I know they had Soul. Soul didn't really do it for me. Um, they 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 also had that one with Chris Pratt and Tom Holland where they're like goblins in fantasy world and they're trying to like save their dad who's like pant like floating pants i don't remember what that one onward i think that one was called onward um when they came out with luca it was just kind of underwhelmed it wasn't a bad movie in any way the animation's great the story is fine um it was just sort of small and kind of meh and it kind of just reaffirmed like this is probably why they just released it on disney plus even though Pixar employees were like, oh, this is disheartening. It's just, it, it was it, it felt like a Disney Plus movie. It didn't feel like something I would need to go to the theater for. It didn't feel like this big occasion. It felt like a very small, self-enclosed film. And that's not what I expect from Pixar. Especially since, like, uh, I didn't even think about this. They released Toy Story 4. It's just, it's just not doing it for me. They're not really hitting that level of creativity of, uh, of story that I've, grown accustomed to with Pixar. Like, I feel like Pixar could never miss. And then recently they have been. Like, they had that Cars 2. They had Incredibles 2 was eh. Toy Story 4 wasn't very good. And then, you know, as I've said, Soul and Onward, I didn't really dig. Um, so I'm, I'm nervous about, about Pixar. So that's why I put Luca kind of low, is that my expectation was very high, and it didn't even come close. So that's why it's kind of low. 
Um, my number one favorite movie of the year so far, I'm going to say, is Those Who Wish Me Dead. Now, this is kind of strange because uh, nobody really knows what this one is, but it's an Angelina Jolie movie, and it was just kind of fun. It wasn't, like, amazing. It was a smallish kind of film, but it had John Bernthal and Angelina Jolie, and it's just kind of like a fun movie because Angelina Jolie is like that cool action hero that she used to be that I haven't seen a lot lately. She was just doing Maleficent, I feel like, and I haven't seen anything else. I don't know. It just felt so kind of iconic to just see Angelina back in that kind of cool role that she used to be in all the time. And now she's just, I guess, older and choosing different roles. Um but if you haven't seen it, those who wish me dead, I would highly recommend it. She's um, she plays this wilderness uh, ranger or whatever, and not only is there a forest fire, but there's these two hitmen who are chasing a kid through the woods, and she's trying to protect the kids from the hitmen and escape the fire in the woods at the same time. So there's like survival elements. There's you know gunplay. there's it's a whole it's everything and anything it's 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 a fun ride i'll give you that so those who wish me dead highly recommend number one movie of 2021 so far um didn't get a lot of good reviews not a lot of people saw it i don't think um but it was on hbo max it might still be on hbo max but highly recommend and and so that leads me to my worst movie of 2021 and this one's not hard uh it's coming to america i i am sad for anyone who has to watch this movie. And number one, I'm, I'm most sad for, for my dad. He was highly looking forward to this movie. I don't remember what he thought about this, but me and my mom honestly wanted to turn it off at a certain point because not only is it just the jokes are don't age very well, which is kind of weird because it just came out. So like the fact that the jokes didn't age well and it's only been a couple months, um, it, it's just it just tells me it's bad jokes. Um, it's it's kind of weird because it's like Eddie Murphy just sucks at movies. Like, why is he so bad at picking movies? And it's it's hilarious because when you look at interviews, he said he, he's questioned himself. He's like, why am I so bad at picking movies? I don't know, Eddie Murphy, but like it's bad for some reason. This movie is just it's offensive. It, like they there's just a lot of just racial material that's just it just bad the joke it's just not funny it's kind of lame it's super crass there's just weird sexual humor out of nowhere for no reason so it's not a family movie but it has but it's it's a movie about family and and here's a gripe i have that kind of like it it's a sequel itself that kind of ruins the first one because uh the first one eddie murphy plays this prince and i feel like so often we've seen this um We've seen in movies that you have a lot of black roles where they're kind of like that gangster type or whatever. And in this case, here we had Eddie Murphy playing a, a well-off, rich prince black man. And it was it was cool. It was something I, that I really don't see a lot. And it set it apart from everything else because he was just a he was just this good-natured, nice. You know, he's, he's not trying to, like, he doesn't have to hustle or anything, right? He's already, he's already rich. He's just trying to find his lady. And it kind of felt like one, a, lot, like a, an, a much older film where he's just super polite and stuff. So, I don't know, it just had this vibe to it that then the second one didn't have because the second one was so crass. And it, it kind of establishes that he, in the first movie, was kind of sleeping around and doing drugs and stuff. And you're like, oh, well, that's not what I thought 
he was doing in that movie. He seemed to be just pursuing this beautiful woman and doing whatever he could to, you know, get her attention. So, yeah, so not only are the jokes bad, the story's lame, uh, I can't tell if it's a family movie or not, but it also tarnishes the first movie. Don't tarnish the first movie, okay? If you're a sequel, that's the worst sin you could possibly have, is ruining the first one. So, that's why it's my worst movie, okay? So, favorite movie so far, Those Who Wish Me Dead, Angelina Jolie. Worst movie so far, Coming to America on Amazon Prime. Please don't watch it. It will hurt your eyes, your soul. It will put things in your mind you didn't want. It's a terrible movie. Terrible. Eddie Murphy should be ashamed. Anyone involved in this movie should be ashamed. It's terrible. Wesley Snipes is in it. Why the heck did Wesley Snipes just decide, hey, I'm not going to act in other movies, but I'm going to come back for this movie? What is wrong with you? Don't do that. Go back and go. I don't know if he's been in retirement, but he should retire after this movie. Um, What do I want to talk about now? What I'm watching. We're going to get to the what I'm watching segment, and we're talking about Labyrinth. So let me get my notes out. What I'm watching, Labyrinth. So... Never been a big Labyrinth fan, okay? I love Jennifer Connelly, okay? So I wouldn't say she's a childhood crush, but I was always like, she's, she's, a, she's a beautiful lady. And then I found out, oh, she's, she's a lot, lot older than me, and this movie is old, so um, she is not that age anymore. Uh, fun fact, I used to live in Nyack, and the beginning portion of the movie has some Nyack clips, and she runs across the street. When she runs across the street, that's right where my elementary school is, so... I was in a movie, sort of. My school was in a movie, sort of. It was also not in the shot, but I know that it was in the background. Uh, so I think that counts. Uh, I'm going to say it counts. Um, Jasmine wanted to watch this movie. So uh, I guess when my girlfriend says, hey, it's time to watch Labyrinth, we watch Labyrinth. I put it on, and here are my thoughts, okay? Actually, no, we're not going to get into the thoughts. We're just going to go straight into the questions, right? So for those who don't know, uh, I like to uh, push out these four questions that really help me hone in on what I thought about the movie. So let's just get right into the first one. Was the storyline rushed or bloated? It's so slow, okay? It's, it's not only is the story slow, but it's also, like, super chaotic in a way that, like, I'm just like, what is going on? Like, it, the story feels like a fever dream that some writer had, like, just... I guess he was doing a bunch of heroin or something. He was just like, this is the movie we're going to do. Like, what is going on in this movie? It's super creative, right? Um, It's got cool puppetry. It's got fun little, like, trials. Like, there's this one where she's faced with two doors, and these guys... um, One of the doors leads the right way. One of the, the doors leads the wrong way. But the people in front of the doors can't tell her which is which. One of them always tells the truth, and the other one always lies. So she has to try to figure out a way to figure out which door is the right door by asking the right questions, I guess. Um, But even then, like, she gets through the door, and I'm still, to this day, I don't know if she chose correctly or not. Because she fell down a hole, and then the hole was like, do you want to go up or down? So, like, there are multiple layers to this. So it's just like, even when there is a fun trial, it's like, what is going on? Um, David Bowie is in it, and when it comes to David Bowie, he's just, he's a weirdo, right? He's, he's a natural weird guy. So it doesn't help the, the plot that's already weird to add a weirder guy. Um, and then everybody knows about his weird costume thing. My theory is, 
Um, cause Jasmine's always like, oh, he, they, they, they stuffed his pants and stuff like that. Um, my theory is it would probably look weirder if they didn't because the pants are so tight, but I don't, I don't know. I've never worn pants that tight, but that's my theory that it would probably look weirder if they hadn't stuffed the pants, but just a theory. I didn't back. I have nothing to back that up. Um, so was the story rushed or bloated? I'm going to say bloated just because there's it, it feels like the plot kind of meanders a little bit and you're kind of like, where is this going? Like there's this one part where they get into a ballroom scene because he, she, she ate a, she ate, uh, what is it? I don't even know what you would call it. It's not poison, but she, she ate some food that was spelled. So she would like forget why she was there, but then she was sucked into a ball, like not like a ball, but like a, like a dance ball. And she started dancing with David Bowie, and they were all masked. And she's like a teenager, and he's a grown man. And you're like, what is going on? And then I guess he has feelings for her, and you're like, that's kind of creepy. And then at the same time, he's also like like the Goblin King, but the goblins are all Muppets, and he's not. He's, he's just a person with tight pants. And you're like, how are you a goblin? Or maybe you're just a guy who got stuck there and became the Goblin King. I don't really know. Um, so creative story, yes. Uh, a lot of unanswered questions, also yes. Second question I like to ask, are the characters relatable? Are the characters relatable? Sure. I mean, Jennifer Conley is pretty relatable, right? Like anyone who's had siblings, she has to take care of her, her baby brother. And uh, the whole movie gets kickstarted because he's crying all this time. And she's like, basically like, shut up, shut up. And the goblins take the kid. Um, so she has to go save her baby brother. And I feel like that's very emblematic of how siblings work. Like you're like in the moment, you're like, get the, get the heck out of my life. You suck. Um, but you would still fight for them and die for them because they're, they're your family. Um, so Jennifer Conley, sure. She's relatable. She's a very, the acting is great. I don't think there's any problem with the acting. Um, she, she's in this weird world and she's taken it like, probably most people would i don't know most kids it's it's just such a weird situation that you're like i don't know how relatable like how would i react to the situation i'd probably be a little more scared maybe the drive of saving my baby brother would push me through who's to say my 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 third question is does the movie draw attention to the fact that it's fake there's one scene in particular i feel like most of this movie is kind of aged pretty well in regards to like even old movies with like cg and puppetry elements um it, it, it there's a point where those movies have a nostalgic element that kind of make it look good uh there's one scene though that just probably didn't look good when it happened and definitely doesn't now um i don't know the title of it but if you've seen labyrinth there's this part where there's this really bad song and there's these fire demon guys and they're taking off their heads and their body parts and they're throwing them around um it's a terrible part of the movie because you're like that part actually had no purpose it's just a singing number and there's like weird like blue screen elements in the background or whatever so like the background's fake so like real jennifer conley and these puppets are on a fake background and then the puppets are just throwing their heads in the air and stuff and then it gets really really freaking dark because then they're trying to like catch her and take her head off and you're like whoa that's that's not what i want to see in a kid's movie uh, so there, there are elements where it kind of takes you out of it, but I think a lot of it has aged really well, kind of because of the, pu the puppetry. Um, 
the costumes, the puppetry, the set design, it's all really cool, ingenious, creative, and aged in, in, a, in a very nostalgic kind of way. Um, and then my fourth question is, uh, do I like the characters or the story enough to re-watch this movie? Um, end of the day, uh, probably no. It's not my favorite, but I, I have re-watched it. So like, yes and no. Um, if, if I really had to like give you an answer... Sure, I'd rewatch it. I don't have a problem with it. It's it's fun and it's it's cool to look at. I like looking at Labyrinth because there's just so many interesting ideas that they've kind of just thrown in. Um, that that's kind of similar to the Princess Bride in the way that like the fantasy of that is. It's not hokey, right? It it walks this this thin line of hokiness and like high fantasy, I guess. Like we're like Princess Bride, where they walk into the you know the woods with the giant rats, and then they fall into this the sand uh, quicksand thing, and then he gets taken to the uh, the pit of despair and all that stuff. So like you have similar elements to that to Labyrinth, where Labyrinth you have this um, what do they call it like the water of never ending stench or, or the lake of something like that. Like there's this there's this water that just always smells bad. You can't. You can't touch it or else you'll always smell bad. And you're like, oh. And, and then there's this, there's this one part where there's just a never-ending trash field that can also, in a way, through magic, like teleport you into places or whatever. Um, or not teleport you, but like they, like they built a room inside the trash heap that looked pristine. I don't really know how to explain it. I could probably throw up a picture of it on YouTube. Um, but uh, there's cool fantasy elements of this movie that would make me want to rewatch it. Uh, the songs are okay. Uh, I'm not. I'm not over here like singing them all the time. I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, Jennifer Conley, I'll watch any day. David Bowie, I don't mind. I really like him in The Prestige, um, one of my favorite movies ever. So yeah, I would rewatch it. How about that? I'll rewatch it. Um, it's not a terrible movie. Of course, I recommend it. Most people have probably seen it by now. It's like it's Labyrinth. Who hasn't seen Labyrinth? Uh, it's it's pretty iconic. Even though even if it's not like the most amazing movie ever, I think the the creativeness of the story is what kind of gave it its name. Again, I feel like if you think too much about the plot, you're like, what the heck is going on in this movie? Like, like why does he want the kid again? I don't really know. Why is he? Why is David Bowie in love with Jennifer Connelly? I don't know. What? Why does she have this book that can summon goblins? Uh, and and does anybody else have this book? And and is the same problem happening to them? Um, how does the world even kind of work? Like it just seems like everything in that world was made around Jennifer Connelly. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it, and maybe I just missed something super important, and everybody's going to be like, oh, this is this is what you're missing. You're, you're crazy. You're dumb. You're missing the point of the movie. Sorry about that. Um, so, do I recommend this movie? Sure. Watch it. Uh, it's, it's, it's semi-family-friendly, I guess, if you don't mind the David Bowie pants. Uh, so that's all I got for this week. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, thanks for sticking through my rambling. It's always fun talking to you guys. Um, Check me out, film.talksofficial on Instagram and Facebook. I always post on Saturdays to tell you when my new videos are posted. Um, you can also check me out on my YouTube channel, Film Talks, or you can find me on Spotify, Google, Amazon, 
uh, Apple Podcasts, and you can find me in audio format on there. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. Hope you all have a great week. So long. Mm-hmm.